that picture you see on the screen. How many of you were Indiana Jones fans? All right. Woo! That's good. There were four episodes of Indiana Jones, and guess what? Have you heard the news? Next summer, Harrison Ford and Spielberg are coming together for the fifth episode of Indiana Jones. All right, so we're excited. Now, some of you might be familiar with this particular clip. So if you haven't seen Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade, I'm sorry if this sort of ruins it for you, but he was in the pursuit of the Holy Grail, and he was given a map and some other kinds of directions, things he needed to be doing, and his father was dying and that kind of thing, and he needed to go through the mouth of the lion. And he stepped through this stone thing that had the mouth of a lion, and he was told that there was something he was going to have to do on the other side. He didn't know what it was. Here you go. From the lion's head, they prove his worth. It's impossible. Nobody can jump this. Ah! Indy! And you must hurry! Come quickly! It's a leap of faith. Remember that scene? Facing that canyon. How is he going to get across? I mean, I still look at that and I go, I don't see it. I don't see it. But he picks up his foot and he steps out and he steps on the solid beam that was matching the landscape that was around it. All right, now this is going to seem a little childish for you, but sometimes you've got to engage in things here to help you a little bit, right? I want you to pick up your foot right where you are. I know there's a seat in front of you. you got hold it out. Have you ever been in that position before in your life where you're like, I know I need to take this step of faith and it doesn't make any sense and I'm fearful, but I'm going to take it. I want you to know when you've done that, as scary as it is, as fearful as it is, as traumatizing as it may be, you are stepping out like God wants you to, to experience adventure. The um, 
Stepping out, though, is not easy. Because we're oftentimes right there on the edge. And we're contemplating. We're trying to figure it out. We're going to go, oh, it just doesn't make sense to do this. But you're looking at the book. Maybe the the book of God, right? And he's saying, take the step. But you will have to make the choice. What is it in your life right now that God is calling you to step out in faith on and seize an adventure? We're beginning a new series today out of a story in Scripture that's familiar to many of us. It's the story of when Jesus went walking on the water and Peter took that step out of the boat and joined him. Series simply entitled after a book that was written a number of years ago that just was one of those books that made an impression uh, indelibly in my heart and uh, some of the what we'll be talking about this uh, brief mini-series is based directly out of that book by John Ortberg, simply titled, If You Want to Walk on Water, You Have to Get Out of the Boat. Erwin McManus, pastor in Hollywood, where my son attends actually, came across this statement of his recently. I love it. If our children are going to walk away from Christ, we need to raise them in such a way that they understand that to walk away from Jesus is to walk away from a life of faith, risk, and adventure, and to choose a life that is boring, mundane, and ordinary. Do you believe his statement? I don't think a lot of Christians do. I don't think a lot of Christian parents believe that. We end up accommodating. We end up sort of soft going here and there. But friends, if you hold back from challenging, whether it's a child of yours or a friend of yours or your spouse, that costly discipleship, stepping out in adventure towards Jesus is something that you cannot find anywhere else in life. And if you're just going to settle for church going, checking the boxes on the spiritual stuff, and not embrace this walk with Jesus in a radical way, then you are settling for a life that is boring, mundane, and ordinary. So grateful. I had people in my life, and I know many of you do as well, who at a young age or maybe recently in your life grabbed a hold of you and say, yes, let's take that step of faith and let's walk towards Jesus in a radical kind of way. Let's not live in the limbo. Let's not be double-minded. Let's not say, oh, where can I put church or God on my schedule at? No, let's put Jesus front, front and center and pursue hard after him. And I believe it's one of the greatest needs and callings in our world today is to challenge young people, young adults, people young maybe in their spiritual life, to go all out for Jesus Christ. Not to be a religious freak, but to be on the adventure that Jesus intended for it to be. Because I tell you what, you look through Scripture, and it's one crazy adventure after another the disciples had with Jesus. And Jesus died, he rose from the grave, he ascended to the heavens, but he sent his very spirit and believe it to be true because it is. That same Jesus that we read about in scripture with his disciples is the Jesus who is here in this room through his spirit speaking to your life to say, come on, let's go on that adventure. Let's step out in faith and let's see what can happen. 
You know, the story that we're going to be looking at in these few weeks here comes from Matthew. Matthew 14, verse 22. And it's the story right after he does the feeding of the 5,000, which we gave reference to a few weeks ago. But I'm just going to read this story out of the New Living Translation so you get the full impact of it. And then we're just going to come back and pop our way through it with several points today of what it would mean for you and I to step out in faith, whatever we're being called to in our life, and become a water walker. You can be a water walker, but it's going to require you to make that step. Here's the story. You ready? Just sit back and listen to it. If you don't have it in your uh, scriptures, uh, or if you do, you can turn there or on your phones. Verse 22, immediately after this, the feeding of the 5,000, right? Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake, the Sea of Galilee, while he sent the people home, the people that were still scattered on the mountainside. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. For a strong wind had risen, and they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you, walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water towards Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached down and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. When the people recognized Jesus, the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area, and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. I wasn't going to say this. I wasn't even going to focus on those last few verses, but the thought just came to me. Friends, that's what we're seeking to do. We're seeking to let people come to Jesus to touch him to be healed. But who is the Jesus that you have in your mind Who is the Jesus that you're following? Is it the Jesus of the scriptures? The one who was the son of God, adventurous, risk-taking and all to lead people to wholeness? Or do you have a small little bobblehead Jesus? The older I get in the faith, I pray Jesus loom larger and larger to me and show me your glory and may I bring other people to touch your glory and find transformation. I want to be a water walker. But it's easier to say it than to live it. 
because we're not prone to go that direction. We're prone, as we're going to look at, to stay in the boat. A few things I want to highlight just today. The first is this. Water walkers recognize God's presence. Water walkers recognize God's presence. It's interesting in this, is it not, as they, um, they were commanded by Jesus to get in the boat. All right? And they got in the boat. They set across the lake. I don't know if they thought, you know, was Jesus going to go around the long way? Was he going to get in another boat? Or how was he going to meet up with us? But I can guarantee you this. They did not expect what they saw. It was 3 o'clock in the morning. 3 a.m. The waves were tossing around them. And friends, these are experienced fishermen. They lived their life on the boat. But the Sea of Galilee can storm up, get stormed up really quick because it's down in like a bull shape. And the winds come across. And they were fearful. There were heavy waves. In the middle of the night, they were at risk. And Jesus comes walking past them on the boat. Do you realize this? Jesus wasn't walking to them on the boat, all right? When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified in their fear. They cried out, it's a ghost. But the synoptic gospel of Mark puts it this way. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And and it inserts this phrase, he intended to go past them. But when they saw him walk on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking it was, they were all terrified when they saw him. What was he doing? Walking past them? Was he like trying to play a trick on them? Was he trying to sort of impress them? Was he racing them? Hey. See you guys. He's walking past them. Now, in Scripture, it gives... Some examples, especially in the Old Testament, of a a, a theophany. And this has the same kind of reference in the verbiage that's used there. That he walked past them. He was walking past them, showing his glory and his power and his presence. Remember Moses? Moses wanted to see God's glory. He put him in the cliff of the rock and Moses was told, you cannot take it. Behold my glory. So his glory passed by him. The same way in a situation with Elijah. There was also another theophany when when Jesus himself appeared with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fireplace. These appearances of God in all of his glory. And possibly what's happening in this story is Jesus is trying to to raise his disciples up to realize, like the last song we sang, that he's high and lifted up and he's overall, is that he is great and supreme. And so he's not walking by teasing them, ha, 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 you're in trouble in the boat. He's not doing that. He's just walking by him in his whole presence and glory. And they're aghast. And they're thinking, oh, is it a ghost? No, he was wanting them to recognize who he was. As surely as in the feeding of the 5,000 that just had happened right before that. If you want to be a water walker, you've got to take the scales off your eyes. You can start to start looking and seeing where God is actively at play. And what God's calling you to do in your life. He's not a game player. He really is not. But he's calling you to greater things. 
a life fuller, richer, deeper, full of meaning and purpose. And it's found in beholding his glory and his power and seeing that glory and power happen in the physical world in which you labor 24-7. God wants to show up in your life. But if you're going to be a water walker, you've got to make sure that you recognize God's presence. And what happened to them? First, it was a ghost. But then they realized who it was. And Peter, in particular, recognized that it was Jesus. The second thing is water walkers discern between faith and foolishness. This is really important. Faith and foolishness. You see, this predominantly is not a story about risk-taking. This is a story about obedience. You hear me? We think this is a risk-taking story to get out of the boat and try to walk on water, but it really wasn't about that. It was a story about obedience. Matthew 14, 27, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me or command me to come to you walking on the water. So this isn't a story about risk-taking in life. And maybe what you're facing, you're just so focused on the task Or that step. Maybe it's changing a job. Maybe it's letting go of a relationship. All right? Maybe it's walking away from a hidden sin or something that's, you know, just uh, tearing you apart. It's, It's not a story about the particular task. It's a story about obedience, and it's obedience to a person. You know, the second time I went to India a number of years ago, I was a young pastor. I had a fellow pastor friend with me. I was looking forward to going back because your heart gets broken for the needs in India. And I remember landing at the airport uh, in New Delhi, and um, a a cab driver was assigned to pick us up somehow, and and, and he picked us up. And it's chaotic in India. Any of you have been to India with their roads? A horn is a necessity as much as a steering wheel in an automobile over there because there's, there's not a lot of traffic direction and people coming in and out and over the lines, honk, honk, move on, this and that. And so I'm like, okay, we're going to get into this taxi. We got into this taxi, and the guy starts talking to us. We're going to work our way through to some hotel or whatever. And he says, where are you from? And I said, we're from Indianapolis. Indianapolis, Indianapolis Indiana, United States. United States. You're nice. Indianapolis? Oh, Indianapolis 500. And he took off to impress us with his driving skills. And me and the other pastor were sitting in the back of, oh, my goodness. And he's in an animal. Oh, my goodness, what is he doing? And in that moment, you are having a lot of fear, right? You're now entrusting yourself to someone, and you have no idea of their competence or their character maybe you've been in a similar situation sometimes i think of that every time i get on a plane i don't know who the pilot is but i trust he's competent and i trust he has good character right the story's about obedience but the perspective changes a lot when you're asked to do something by faith when you see the person who's commanding you to get out of the boat So it's now no longer as much the task, but it's the vision and the relationship of the one who I'm walking towards. Obedience. Obedience. 
Water walkers discern between faith and foolishness. Foolishness is just doing risk-taking for risk-taking's sake. But if it's a command of the Lord and he's impressing something on your heart, then it's a faith step. It's a faith step. So get out of the boat. Be obedient. Water walkers next. That's exactly what they do. They get out of the boat. If you don't get out of the boat, you will never experience walking on water. You will end up having, I'm not telling you this is your life, but you'll have a boring and mundane and ordinary life. As you get out of the boat, though, certain things take on incredible value and meaning. But there's a problem with us getting out of the boat. We like boats. There's something called comfort in the boat. Now, some of us have small little boats, but it's still a boat. It's not the waves and the wind. Some of us have bigger boats, make some really nice boats. It doesn't matter what boat you got. Jesus comes to you sometimes in acts of obedience and says to get out of the boat. And you've got to make that first step. And it's a step of obedience. Jesus is not calling you to some, you know, crazy, whacked out kinds of ideas for the sake of the idea themselves. It's not, this is not some extreme sports kind of activity. But it is an extreme discipleship activity that you're called to. Are you going to stay in the boat or are you going to get out of the boat? Now, here's the challenge. A lot of times we think that the boat is safer. But the boat people weren't necessarily that safe in this story, now were they? So we become deceived sometimes that to stay in the boat in our own comfort zones, we're going to be fine. When the reality is the boat can go down. You know, I, was, uh, I flew back southwest yesterday. And I probably shouldn't bring up this story, but, you know, a few weeks ago, there's a lady who died sitting in a southwest plane by a window because the engine fan blew apart and blew out her window and she got partially sucked out of the window I'm, I'm, I'm thinking through the day's talk right and I'm thinking I'm glad I'm safe here on the plane I'm glad I got a, got a window seat I can doze off a little bit there wasn't anybody sitting between me and the aisle guy I'm like good and then I looked down at the engine <laughs> and I thought to myself that thing could just explode and crack my window and I could get halfway sucked out of it there is no guarantee for anybody anywhere do you know how many people die falling out of bed every year? It's a significant number of people. People slip in bathtubs. Friends, there is no place you can go that's risk-free. Life has risk. And so thinking that you're staying in the boat and trying to you know, do the comfort zone thing is a deception. And our world tells us what? You need more and more comfort. Just stay, stay in your comfort zone. Get more money. Get the better job. Move, change locations, all right? You know, swap, you know, spouses or something. All kinds of crazy stuff this world tells you to. Friends, there's only one place to find safety, and that's in the embrace of Jesus Christ. And when Peter looked at Jesus, and he asked Jesus, command me to come to you. And Jesus said, yes, come. That's what you want to hear. And that's what you want to be obedient to. Yes, come, he said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and he walked on the water 
towards Jesus. Walking on water is not going to happen in your life unless you get out of the boat. So what's your boat? Do you have a boat? Whatever represents safety and security to you apart from God himself, maybe that's your boat. Whatever you are tempted to put your trust in, especially when life gets a little stormy, maybe that's your boat. Whatever keeps you so comfortable that you don't want to give it up, even if it keeps you from joining Jesus on the water, on the waves, maybe that's your boat. Whatever pulls you away from the high adventure of extreme discipleship, that can be your boat. So if you're going to get out of the boat, what is it? What is your boat? Here's one sure way to discover what your boat is. Answer this question. As it relates to fear, fear will tell you what your boat is. What are you fearing now? And that will lead you to some good understanding of what your boat is. Water walkers, we will just look at some of these briefly, come back to them in the coming weeks. Water walkers expect problems. When you get out of the boat, it's not smooth sailing. There's going to be problems. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified, Peter was, and he began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted out. Some of you in this room have stepped out of the boat in recent weeks and years in your life, and you're a pretty fearful person right now. In fact, you feel like you're sinking, and you're shouting out, Lord, save me. I want you to know that as a water walker, you can expect those kinds of problems. You can expect those kinds of problems. Water walkers... Accept fear as the price of growth. Water walkers accept fear as the price of growth. Fear is not something that's ever going to go away in our life. Now, I understand perfect love casts out fear, and as we embrace Christ, the fear shouldn't be there when we speak on that. But the fear as it relates to the unknown or doing something that's out of your comfort zone, out of your boat, the natural human emotion is reservation, fear, anxiety, maybe even trauma in part. But the Lord bids you and beckons you, take this step of faith, walk this direction, see what I can do and what I will do in your life. Water walkers master failure management. Now this is an important thing just to highlight. Failure is not an event, but rather a judgment about an event. Do I need to say that again? Failure is not an event. It's a judgment you place on an event. Failure is not something that happens to us or a label we attach to things. It's the way we think about outcomes. See, you read this story sometimes of Peter, and you're thinking, dumb guy, why did you take his eyes off Jesus? Well, there's a lot to be said about that, and we can give reference to that. But he was not a dumb guy. I admire Peter for stepping out of the boat. He was not the failure. You know where the failures were? There were 11 of them stuck back in the boat. Those were the failure people. 
He got out of the boat. He took the step. And yeah, he started to sink. But guess what happens when he sank? Only he had the experience of Jesus being there with him to hold him. Have you been there? Are you there right now? Or you're on a journey, you're walking things out by faith, and you're sinking, man, and your, your eyes are scattered. But you need to know this. The presence of God is with you in that moment. And Jesus reached out, and he rescued Peter when he shouted, Save me. It was not a failure. He learned a lot. You know, the guy that created the vaccine for polio, 200 times before he found the vaccine, He tried to create one, and he failed. But if you ask him if he failed, he said, no. I learned 200 ways not to create the vaccine. Winston Churchill, 1930s, facing the need to do political appeasement with Hitler. And he stood his ground and did what they did to be able to eventually help lead in the defeat of of Hitler. Was asked, "How how did you have the ability to hold your ground and go against popular political culture. And he says, because I failed a grade in elementary school. What? He says, but it wasn't a failure. I just had the opportunity to do it over again a second time. Somewhere in his life, he had learned that it's not failure, it's an education. And you learn. You learn. And Peter learned something that day. He learned to keep his eyes on Jesus and not focus on the storm around him. Water walkers see failure as this opportunity to grow. And so that's exactly what he did. He took one step of faith after another and he bumbled himself. Can you picture the guys in the boat? Here he is, Peter's mouthing off. Hey, if it's you, Lord, command me to come. And they're like, oh, golly, here he goes again, you know, rolling his eyes. He's so much talk. And then he took the step over the boat. And he learned and he grew in his relationship with Jesus on that day. Number eight, water walkers learn to wait on the Lord. This is one of the strategic questions of this story that's been bugging me this week. Part of it's because God's been asking me to get out of the boat, (laughs) this whole transition and everything. Why didn't Jesus calm down the wind and the waves before Peter got out of the boat? Has anybody got an answer to that one? Because once they all got back in the boat, calm. Why didn't he do that? Wouldn't it have been easier to get on the water if, hey, here's Jesus walking by. Hey, guys, hope, stop, wind, that's cool. Clean. All right, which one of you want to try it? Let's go. It's nice and crystal clear. You can do it. That's not what it is. The storm was still raging. And he commanded Peter to come to him. And Peter takes the step out of the boat. Why in the world didn't he calm the waters first? Because of these lessons to learn. Things he wants us to take the initiative on that will grow us. But we have to learn to wait. There's different reasons. And it's not, you got to understand this. Waiting on the Lord is not waiting around. Any of you in that place? You're waiting on God to do something and you just feel like you're wasting time. Trust me, I've felt that in the last few weeks. You wait to receive power. You wait for the storm to calm. You can wait to trust completely in the Lord. You wait to experience God's miracle. There's some reason why the storm waters don't settle. 
in your life in order for God to have you take the next step. And you've got to trust Him in it. Don't back away. Don't become the, the boat potato. You know? Get out of the boat. Continue moving forward. It might be rocky to start with. There, there, Jesus commanded them to get in the boat. Do you remember that? He knew it was going to be stormy. He's the one that told him to get in the boat. And then at 3 o'clock in the middle of the night, he still wasn't calming the waters. Sort of a big picture of life a lot of times. But in the midst of it, we're learning and we're growing and we're embracing. Jesus immediately reached down and grabbed him. You have so little faith. It wasn't a demeaning thing. It wasn't like, you loser. It was almost like a smile. Oh, he's so little faith. Why did you doubt me? Come on. Step into the raging water. You can trust me with this. Finally, water walking brings a deeper connection with God. Water walking brings a deeper connection with God. When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the son of God, they claimed. They exclaimed, and that's exactly where your focus and my focus needs to be is that this experience you're walking through, I believe this experience that we're walking through as a church and the whole relocation effort, because this can be some stormy waters, and there are. God's saying, you can trust me in this. You're going to learn, and you're going to have a deeper connection with me. Why get out of the boat? Here's one of many reasons, but I believe it's one of the most powerful reasons. The water is where Jesus is. The water is where Jesus is. Command me to come to you, Peter asked. Is that a request that you have? Some of you know that I was uh, touched a number of weeks ago now when I was sitting in a communion service with other pastors up in Moreno Valley. We were sitting in that communion service having had several days of solid focus on what it means to keep Jesus in his rightful place as supreme above all things. As we're sitting in that communion service, that's where God spoke to me a radical conviction about the stepping out of the boat in my own life to see this possible relocation to happen. And then when I told my wife a couple days later, she was in agreement because God was convicting her of the same kind of radical steps to take at this season of her life and for us as a church. But on the table that last day of uh, district conference was this keychain right here. It says, Christ above all. And it has a reference in Colossians. I'm going to invite the band to come up. And this reference in Colossians talks about the supremacy of Christ in all things. I just want to read it to you. Christ is the invisible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before everything else and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of our church, in which he is the body. 
He is the beginning supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. Friends, the person who's calling you to get out of the boat in your life is that supreme God. He is head above all things. And when we worship Him, it's not just simple little platitudes to do in a nice musical setting. It is a bended knee before the one who calls you to come to His embrace. Whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're challenged with in life right now, to take that step of faith, as we sing this song, I encourage you to let go and take the step and surrender. It was during that communion service and I later found out there was another pastor that God was convicting him deeply about some hidden sin in his life. God was convicting me about letting go of some means, monetary means in life to be able to see a church season forward. But the Holy Spirit speaks in settings and he has different words for different ones of us. You and I have to be sensitive to the presence of God and listen to him and take that step because Christ is above all. He is above the water, yes, but He is above the storms. He is above the universe. He is overseeing your life, and you can trust Him. This little keychain I kept. Actually, I took a few of them because there were some extras. I just want to be honest with you. This step of faith for us as a church, I'm excited about it. I believe we're going to stand in some beautiful experiences in the future and praise our worship, our Lord. But it's not easy to get out of the boat. This was my boat. We can pay the bills here. Have a great community. But there's people that need the Lord more and more. And God called us to be, I believe, a more prominent church in this valley. Location is part of it. But I believe the bigger thing is what he's doing in our hearts as a people. To let go and say, let's get radically abandoned to the cause of Jesus. And in that communion service, as I have seen also in these weeks, there's choppy waters and there's storms. But that empty key ring this last week turned into a key ring with the key to that building. In my excitement, I want to go open the building and just sit in there and pray and breathe and think through what God can do. But part of me is scared to have this key. But this key is not our key. This is the Lord's key to unlock a future season for the awakening church, for people to become fully alive in Christ and to his mission. This is a key to ministry. It's being entrusted to us. The waters may be choppy, 
that there's an adventure that's before us in these weeks and months that you can't get too many other places. So let's worship our Supreme Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're stepping out of the boat is taking another one of those commitment cards that's in the back of your seat backs. You can upgrade it, you can downgrade it, but I tell you what, a lot of times it's upgrading that commitment. Financially. Your time. We're going to be challenged as a church, but it's for the glory of God, for our relationship with Him, and for others to have a relationship with Him. Will you seize the opportunity to step out of the boat in whatever way God's calling you in your personal life and for us as a church? As the ushers come to receive the Lord's tithes and offerings, may you give to Him freely with a generous heart because He's able to move the mountains. He's able to calm the waters. Please come, ushers.